It's hour two of the game, the game after work with Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berklin here with us today, representing Mike Jack. That's Michael Jackson, to those that aren't, you know, cultured enough to know about Michael Jackson as much as Travion Berklin over here. Do you know, like, have I told you where that comes from, where, like, I heard Mike Jack for the first time? No, I don't think so. Maybe you did, but I don't remember. Well, like, it was in high school, and my cousin um, Xavier was like, Yo, Mike Jack's the greatest of all time. And I was like, who are you talking about? I was like, oh, Michael Jackson. I was like, oh, okay. I got to start saying that. No, you have me hooked on saying Mike Jack. It's it's funny. 537-1350 is our number. I'm not sure how many uh, phone calls we're going to actually be able to get to uh, because we're going to have Ashley Hodge here on in just a moment to talk about the Baylor Bears. Um, I've been uh, driving Troy nuts over here during the break. <laughs> Uh, because I, I got myself on a run here, and I'm down a rabbit hole with the Montreal Screwjob because Twitter – I mean, it, Survivor Series or Montreal Screwjob has been going – you know, it, it's trending all day long because sure. today's the 25th anniversary. That's a milestone anniversary of what changed professional and you, wrestling and forever. And wrestling freaks are, are all over that. Mm-hmm. I, I resent the word <laughs> freaks. Uh, you mean marks. <laughs> Marks is a wrestling term okay, for those that, right, uh, that yeah. mm-hmm. kind of believe in wrestling a little t- bit too much. Or you could go with a smart mark uh, for those that uh, know what's going on. But uh, I've been showing Troy all these videos <laughs> and trying to talk him into watching the Dark Side of the Rain documentary. I was just going to say, have you seen uh, Clerks 3 yet? No. Mm, no. I have not. Tomorrow I'm going to Kansas City. Kevin Smith is coming to oh, the Midlands nice. in Kansas City showing Clerks 3, and I'm going to meet him. He, uh, So I think he did the same thing for Clerks 2. He did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was at the Midland, but I think that was the same show that he invited the Westboro Baptist Church into the movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I, think that, I think they did go in to watch it. No way. <laughs> like they, they were outside protesting. He's like, hey, do you guys want to come in and watch the movie? And they like obliged, and then I think they end up leaving <laughs> at some point, like during the movie. But they took the offer. I wonder how many bombs were dropped in that movie before they walked out. I mean, there's probably some in the first five minutes. <laughs> sure, but how many of them did they actually stick around for? I mean, screw those guys, but I honestly haven't seen them around in quite some time. No. Uh, Maybe they don't have as much money anymore. Well, Fred's passing kind of... Uh, Put the kibosh on that. I'm like, do we take this as seriously anymore? Well, it's also the the numbers have really dwindled down. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of their members have left. A lot of the daughters and the the kids have left. And I'd, I'd love to know how bad COVID got for them. The last time I saw them was at the Foo Fighters show. They were there, and then the Foo Fighters came by on a last August or two August ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, twenty one. Oh, on the trailer. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. Every time. Yeah, the Foo Fighters are in Kansas City. Westboro Baptist Church is usually there, and Dave Grohl is so cool that he gets the band out there and starts to perform a song. But the last time I did see it, I was at that show at at Sandstone, and it was uh, You Should Be Dancing, their cover of the mm-hmm, Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that was a uh, I, I love the trolling. I'm like, free music from the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Westboro Baptist Church gets that treatment, but us regular awesome fans can't. We got to pay. <laughs> we got to pay to get that music. <laughs> All right, let's hear from Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 as we talk about the Baylor Bears. We'll talk a little basketball later on, but now let's uh, let's talk a, a little football with Ashley Hodge.
Ashley, I appreciate your time. K-State, Baylor, and Texas tied for second place in the Big 12 standings, and I'm sure everybody's looking at everybody else's schedule to see, all right, who has the easiest run Arlington, who has the hardest run, who controls its own destiny. K-State does not need more. They need some help. But as a Baylor fan, intriguing or maybe just nerve-wracking to see that what Baylor has left on the schedule is K-State, Texas, and TCU. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's you know I like Baylor having two at home, but uh, certainly the three opponents are the – or the, the toughest road to get to the Big 12 championship game. Hey, but my attitude is anyone but Texas at this point, right? Let me tell you something. I absolutely agree, especially with, <laughs> man, it was so tough to tackle Bijan Robinson last Saturday for K-State. Yeah. Really struggled with him in the first half, but uh, really started to buckle down defensively to K-State in the second half on their uh, comeback attempt, but I hear you there. Baylor has won three straight. After starting 3-3, three and three, those losses to BYU, OSU, and, and West Virginia, I'm sure in their own right, everyone was just a big gut punch. But they've made this bounce back. They've won three in a row, and now 6-3, and three, and they're right back there in the conversation, tied for second in Big 12 play. So are you able to pinpoint what exactly has improved, or is it just like things with the team are clicking a little bit more? I think it's a combination of that, but I, but I also think they had a, a big addition that was injured earlier in the year, a guy named Khalil Keith, who's their starting right tackle, and um, probably their most physical offensive lineman. He, he makes a huge difference in the run game. Uh, he's a senior that's uh, had a back injury, but he's back healthy. He came uh, on board the Kansas game, and, and their rushing uh, statistics uh, since he's come back have really improved. But I think it's a combination of that, and I just think the skill guys who are young, they knew they had good offensive and defensive lines on paper. Uh, I would argue that the defensive line has underperformed uh, this year compared to expectations. Uh, but I think that um, they're starting to run the ball better, and the skill positions, wide receivers in the secondary are starting to play a lot better as well. So, so I think it's a combination of those two factors. Now, I mean, you can call me crazy if you want, but I just feel like you know, once BYU gets in the Big 12 next year, you've played him the last couple of years. There seems to be just that natural rivalry. I don't know if it's just because of the you know both religious schools, uh, but I mean, does anybody at Baylor also see that? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be um, a natural rivalry because of the uh, the Christian school aspect. Um, I, I do think that uh, there's some connections there too. Baylor took. Their offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos, their offensive line coach. So I think you know there's, uh, you know I, I'm sure that's not, you know there's they they like each other and, and they seem to you know get along well. But but that always you know kind of sucks when you're when when a when a program comes and takes you know two of your better coaches. So so I do think that you know there's a natural rivalry because of those connections, but also because of the uh, religious affiliation. Speaking with Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 as we preview the Baylor Bears for this game tonight at McLean Stadium. All right, so let's start to break down this team a little bit further. Let's jump to the quarterback of Baylor, sophomore QB Blake Shapin, who K-State did see after Gary Bohannon was injured last season in the game in Manhattan, and he played very well. This season, almost 2,000 yards passing, 16 touchdowns and six interceptions. I personally feel like he hasn't played his best game yet. I've seen this pattern, I suppose. Like, he plays well and then maybe doesn't play so well, and then it's just kind of back and forth. Maybe didn't have his best game against Oklahoma, but Baylor was still able to pull out that three-point victory last Saturday uh, there in Norman. Baylor's just second win ever in Norman, Oklahoma. But what are your thoughts, just his body of work this season and how he's been playing? Yeah, I mean, I think he's um, done well compared to what I expected, maybe maybe not his own expectations. 
but you know, there, there's, there's just nothing that uh, replaces experience. And as he's gotten more experience, he's, he's playing more consistent. He's, he's taking care of the ball better. You know, I would say um, the Oklahoma game watching it, I thought he played really well. I mean, he, the stats weren't great. It was a very windy day. Um, so the ball was kind of, you know, flying all over the place. But he, for the most part, he was accurate. He moved the chains when he needed to move them. Uh, Baylor took a knee, you know, near the end of the game where, where Squirrel Williams had a breakaway run and, and kneeled at the five-yard line, and you know, just to do the victory formation. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you say, hey, almost put up 45 points on the road, I know OU's defense isn't the greatest defense in the world, but but I, I think that there's something to be said for that. If you're the quarterback that goes on the road in a hostile environment and puts up 45 points, so you know I, I think he's um, you know moving the offense, moving the chains, making plays with his legs, really good at the ball fakes, and and you know uh, the sleight of hand, you know to set up you know reverses and and play action uh, passes. Um, so overall, I'm I'm really happy, especially the last three weeks he's played well. Um, so I think he's he's you know showing some upward progression, um, and, and overall I think he's a guy that you know Baylor can win with, and, and uh, their problems you know haven't necessarily been Blake Shapen. It's been receivers dropping balls. It's been inconsistent uh, defensive play, which was surprising. We thought maybe they would you know Dave Moran, the defenses have been re- really consistent throughout his career. Uh, so I think I think those are the bigger issues, and, and Blake Shapen, I would definitely grade him. Uh, a B plus, A minus, you know, so far this season. I was talking with Wyatt Thompson on Monday. He's the voice of the Wildcats, and I was telling him about, you know, how much I worry about this rushing attack at Baylor, and who's really jumped out to me this season has been the the freshman running back Richard Reese. Leads the country among the freshman rushers with 13 rushing touchdowns. He's got 800 yards on the year. I knew he was ill for Oklahoma, and he, he tried to go. He just you know wasn't himself. But you know prior to that, him and just like the rushing game in general for Baylor this season. You know what is it about him and the rushing game that's made Baylor the 19th best rushing team in the country? Well, it, it all starts with their offensive line. Um, they had five returning starters. Well, four four returning starters. Um, Xavier Newman. Was, was a guy that they uh, had had graduate and went to the NFL draft. But, you know, I think that um, getting Khalil Keith back was, was really big. And, and, you know, Richard Reese has had his best running days um, with Keith back in the lineup, uh, the right tackle. You know, but I think it's, it's experience offensive line is, is, is where it starts with. But, but Richard Reese is a very instinctive runner. He's a, he's a one-cut-and-go guy. And for the, the wide zone that they play, um, that's a perfect fit, you know, and he's probably the best at that, you know, just uh, making one cut, you know, getting his uh, shoulder pad square, falling forward, getting extra yardage after contact. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's he's really good at those things. And he's, he just seems like he's a guy that can get you four or five yards out of nothing. Um, you know, kind of maybe like a Deuce Vaughn in, in some ways, you know, with some of the, the smallest of holes. So he's got the speed and the quickness to get through there and, and get, get yardage. Um, but I think it's a three-headed monster on Saturday. I think you'll see a lot of Squirrel Williams. He played really well against Oklahoma. He's finally healthy. He's been dealing with some uh, just like uh, minor injury situ- situations so far this year. And then Quaylen Jones is really coming on. He's a physical back, uh, but more of a guy that in the past has danced around a little bit and not used his 235, 240 pounds uh, to, to really punish people. But now he's starting to learn that, hey, you know, I, I got to, run people over. And, and I think he's, he's really uh, getting better at reading 
the hole and, and you know making a, a one cut and go type deal. So so their running game has improved because of the play of those three guys, but but definitely the offensive line just to name credit. Actually, I want to jump back to a comment you you said earlier, and that was about the defensive line and how you how you personally felt that they're just not living up to what you thought they would be this season. And I think that would go for the same of just us across the Big 12 of thinking about that D-line and those linebackers at Baylor. I think most of the D-line returned from last season. I guess what is it about the guys in the box and that defensive line that, that hasn't measured up to what you expected? Well, maybe a combination of things. I think um, Baylor fans probably underestimated the losses of guys like uh, Jalen Petrie and and um, uh, oh man, dangerous game. Uh, JT Woods and and uh, Terrell Bernard. You know those those guys were all conference players on the back end of their defense. Uh, Kalen Barnes was another one cornerback. So you lose guys like that, and the coaching staff maybe doesn't trust their secondary as much, and so they're not sending an extra pass rusher uh, as a result, and they're trying to you know really get a rush with three or four guys. I think that has a lot to do with it, but I also just think that um, the defensive line is just underperformed, and I think Dave Aranda would be the first one to say that. You know, he expected more from these guys, uh, guys like Gabe Hall, who had a terrific game at Kansas State last year, and he really played well against Texas Tech. Um, but but he's a guy that you know just is underperformed uh, based on what he could be, and uh, you know, Siaki Yika is is. Uh, you know, a guy that requires a lot of double teams and, and, you know, probably doesn't get as much credit because he's just uh, letting other players get free, you know, to, to get pressure uh, in the backfield. But, you know, their edge rushers, uh, you know, Bison Jackson is the guy that is their main pass rusher on third downs. Um, he hasn't had as many sacks as they expected. And Garmin Randolph, I mean, there's just, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around. But just overall, they haven't... Um, produced uh, the amount of quarterback hurries, pressure, sacks. You know, they, they did against Texas Tech. They did a terrific job against Tech. But then against Oklahoma, they kind of reverted back to um, not really getting enough pressure on the quarterback. And, and Dylan Gabriel, you know, had his way, except for three interceptions. And there was a couple of uh, fourth down conversions that they didn't get. But, uh, man, other than that, you know, they just kind of moved the ball at will on uh, Baylor's defense. And, and Baylor certainly can't let that happen against Kansas State, or it's going to be a long night for them. Let's take a break. When we come back, more with Ashley Hodge. I want to continue talking about the defense of the Baylor Bears and maybe jump into a little bit of basketball about the Bears who have been picked to finish to win the Big 12 and currently ranked fifth in the country. More of the game with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365 is next. It's the game on KMAN. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale and Travion Berkland. Let's get to part two of my interview earlier today with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365 previewing the Baylor Bears. Let's get back to the conversation about the defense. We'll say I do feel like Baylor does have some impressive stats. If you do look at the season, uh, they've done well statistically against a run 3.7 yards per rush. And also, you know, another number that's really stood out, especially over the last couple of games, have been just the interceptions. 12 interceptions in Big 12 play. I think eight, if I remember right, has come in the last two games. I don't know how you feel about the depth of the secondary, but is it fair to say that you at least have a bunch of ball hawks? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that, the uh, interceptions against Texas Tech, they had five, and those were really a, a result of great pressure on the quarterback. 
Baylor was, uh, you know, able to get in the Texas Tech backfield regularly and, and, uh, you know, really put a lot of pressure on those Texas Tech quarterbacks. They used three different quarterbacks and all three of them three interceptions. Um, so, so that was, you know, a result of great pressure. Uh, against OU, I would I would just mostly attribute that to Dylan Gabriel throwing some bad balls and and even a couple more that could have been picked off. That um, you know he was pretty accurate all day, but when he missed, he missed pretty bad. And and you know three of those were picked off by Baylor. Um, so you know just kind of a tell of two games. You know sometimes that happens, but they were mostly rushing three or four, dropping seven or eight against uh, Oklahoma. And so maybe he's throwing into some you know Gabriel throwing into some tighter windows and just missed guys because of the windy conditions. Uh, but, you know, I would expect um, they're going to have a challenge on their hands. Uh, they have not done that well against uh, rushing quarterbacks. Spencer Sanders carved him up pretty good on the ground and, you know, moved the chains with his feet. And uh, we all know that Adrian Martinez is, is capable of doing that. So uh, they're going to have to, I'm sure, have a spy on him and, and do a good job containing him and limiting him uh, in this rushing attack. Now, you have briefly maybe covered a little bit of this next question, but I really came into this interview just one true criticism of the Baylor defense, and that's how Baylor has had some issues in Big 12 play of stopping teams on third down. They're allowing a third down conversion mm-hmm. percentage of 53.6%. Yeah, um, really bad. It, you know, pro- that probably is uh, more of a factor of not, you know, creating negative plays on first and second down. I mean, it's it's obviously a lot easier to convert third and threes, third and fours. Um, now they've had their share of conversions go against them at third and 10, you know, you know, third and 15. Uh, but most of those have been, you know, third or third and four and, and shorter. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to have to do a better job of, of getting ahead of the chains. Um, you know, in Kansas State's a team, you just have to do that. Like if, if you let them get, you know, third and two and third and three, uh, they're going to just murder you all night long. So, so I think uh, that's going to probably be a big focus is trying to, create some run blitzes or some, uh, you know, some pressure on those early downs to, to try to get ahead of the chains defensively and force, you know, Kansas State Martinez into some uh, third and long situations. And, and, you know, hopefully that percentage uh, will improve as, they, as they're able to do that. Um, but uh, they got the work cut out for them because they got, you know, three really powerful offenses coming up. And, and uh, they, they struggled against, you know, some of the offenses that aren't as good like the Iowa State of the world uh, you know Iowa State had a, had a lot of success with, on third down as well so that has been a problem all year long for, for Baylor. Speaking with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365 all right a couple more for you and I, I really appreciate you helping us preview the Baylor Bears for this game tonight at McLean Stadium in, in Waco. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter trying to promote a blackout at McLean Stadium tonight now <laughs> but I didn't see that on the on the website so is that an official thing? <laughs> it's definitely not an official thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, just to be candid with you, I think the, the Baylor administration uh, wants to distance themselves from blackouts because that was kind of known uh, as, as, you know, the Bryles era. Uh, they did that quite wow. a bit during the Bryles era. So, so I think it's probably more of a move to stick with your primary colors of, of gold and green and, and white. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the fans love the blackouts and, and some of the most, you know, fun games at, at McLean and even before McLean, uh, happened during blackouts. Um, and, you know, it's pretty cool to do at night, but, but I think it's, it's, you know, some of the students started, 
Uh, I don't think it's going to get much traction. I, I think you'll probably see mostly green and gold in the stands uh, Saturday night. Well, I definitely expect the Baylor fans to bring it when it comes to the noise and the environment tonight. It's going to be in a fun environment. To wrap up, Ashley, uh, you know, of course, that K-State now has Jerome Tang as its head coach, and he got his first yeah. victory against UTRGV back on Monday. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the Baylor men's basketball team, currently ranked fifth in the country to start the year, picked to win the conference. They just jaw-jacked. Mississippi Valley State on on opening night as well. So, is it this season with the Bears? You know, win the Big Twelve or bust? Or what's your thoughts this year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think they would say that's their mindset. Um, you know, they they know there's some teams that can definitely challenge them. You know, for the Big Twelve title, so that would be a, a hard a hard thing to do. And you know, they're going for three in a row because they tied Kansas uh, last year for the Big Twelve championship in the regular season. You know, the backcourt is really good. Uh, they're offensively, they could be one of the top two or three offenses in the nation. They've, they've got four guards, five guards, really. They can hit threes. They can take you off the dribble. That, that are good playmakers. Uh, you know, the three that will get the most attention are LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Keontae George. Uh, but Dale Bonner and Langston Love, Love coming off the bench are really good as well. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, the question with this team is toughness. Uh, do they have the competitive fire that, that they had two years ago with guys like Mark Vidal and Davion Mitchell? Um, you know, those, those guys were just ultimate competitors. And I don't know if this team has that same competitive fire. Um, I think they have the potential to have that. Uh, they got a couple of transfers who seem to fit really well, Jalen Bridges and, and Caleb Lohner. Uh, they've got an exciting young big man prospect, a guy named Joshua Ojewuna, uh, but he's young and raw. And then, uh, Thomas, a returning guy as well, uh, but, but the big question is going to be uh, just competitive fire, and you know I think that I think it's something you're going to see from Kansas State. I'm, I, you know I know the Drone Tang uh, has guys that he's pretty excited about from that standpoint, um, and you know obviously Keontae Johnson's a huge add for you guys, and and, and you got an exciting point guard in, in Noel too, so uh, it'll be fun. I can't I can't wait to see how Kansas State does. I know we're rooting for Drone Tang to do well. Um, you know that that game against Baylor is going to be kind of weird to have them there and and to and, you know to to you know root against them you know so to speak. But uh, I'm I'm excited to watch uh, how you guys do this year too. So what was Joshua's last name again? How do you say it? Ojawuna is how I pronounce it. Okay. Um, yeah, he's we Baylor's had a few. They, Jonathan Chamo Chachua and now Joshua Ojawuna. Uh, some names that you know really give the media guys trouble. Rosaruna, <laughs> I mean, he stood out to me when I, from what I saw of that game, nine point seven rebound, just fouled too much, but uh, limited yeah. limited action. But uh, uh, one he's more bouncy, yeah, yeah, he's like you know, unbelievable. Like get off the floor, seven five wingspan, runs like a deer. Um, he's he's raw, he's raw, but he's. He's got the skills. He's got the talent, for sure. Well, I know we're running long here, but I didn't want to ask you one more. Jerome Tang brought up that uh, Jonathan Chamwa Chachua was the nicest guy he'd ever coached or ever talked to or ever been around yeah. when it comes to college basketball. Can you say that as well about as for somebody in the media that talked to him? Oh, yeah. Un- unbelievable kid. Like, um, like, never has a down day. You know, through a grueling rehab, I, he's just attacked it. You know, I, I think at the beginning of the season, everyone around the program said there's no way he plays this year. But he's already going through drills. <laughs> he's dunking. Like he's like his his mental toughness and his positive attitude and just like his ability just to work. Like like it, it's it's like there's guys that work hard and then there's Jonathan Chamachacho. He's 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 unusual. Like he is just uh 
a guy that just dedicates himself to his craft. And, and I think, you know, everyone just kind of wants the best for him because when you see a guy put that kind of effort in, into what he does, you just want him to do well. So hopefully he'll be back sometime this season, but uh, he'll definitely be back next season if he's not. But um, I, I think, you know, based on, based on, you know, the fact that he's already practicing, he's going through drills and, and, and dunking and jumping, you know, he's probably – I wouldn't bet against them. They'll probably be ready to go sometime around February. Well, Ashley, I greatly appreciate your time. And uh, Drum Tang and Scott Drew, it sounds like they've scripted for K-State Baylor to go 1-2 and two in the Big 12. They'll just decide the order later. That's what Scott Drew said to me on, <laughs> on multiple occasions. But uh, Hey, I would love that. Nothing would bring me more joy than to see Kansas State uh, beat Kansas and, and even get a sweep would be even better. That that would just bring me so much joy. I, I can't even tell you how well, much joy it would bring me. Well, I was about to say, <laughs> I, I can't wait to work together to keep Kansas away from a Big 12 championship as best as possible. <laughs> Um, yeah, that'd be fun. But Ashley, greatly appreciate your time. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it down to Waco for this game. I'd love to be there. It's going to be a great environment. And of course, it's a big one in Waco, Texas. But again, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mitch. It's Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365. I should explain, you probably heard me in that interview say today a lot. The game is today. I'm playing it back on uh, PowerCat Game Day. so Working ahead. Yeah, phrasing it up for the, uh, the audience that's across the state of Kansas. I know there's a lot that listen to the... Um, to the podcast, and I appreciate you guys keeping the numbers through the roof. We're already over two and a half million listens, and this has been the most profitable year on the podcast. But uh, those that listen on Saturday, they're going to get the phrasing, I suppose. Hope I don't uh, upset anybody. Right. All right. When we come back, number one song of the day is next. I got to complain at the game Saturday. You need to play more songs from the 2010s. Here's me throwing a bone. From 2010, Raise Your Glass by Pink, one week at number one. This is a song I know well because I heard it a lot in college. I was good with this as a PA tune going into basketball games specifically. Like, this would be like a warm-up song? It would be in the mix, yeah. Hmm. I don't remember this ever at Bramlage, but you know me and my memory. Well, I mean, I, I could see this as a, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the way this, what this song is meant to be about. I guess you could make a sports connection to it, but I don't know. I just... I think I really it's just. It's, just as, I think it's just the 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 track itself, the beat behind yeah. it. Uh, Pink singer, songwriter, actress, and dancer from Doylestown, uh, Doylestown Township, Pennsylvania. Those townships. <laughs> um, originally a member of a girl group called Choice. Do you remember that group, Troy? Nope. R and B. She was originally an R and B singer. Mm-hmm. In 95, though, LaFace Records, they saw the potential in Peak, and they offered her a, a, a solo record contract, and she exploded from there. Over 135 million records sold worldwide, and she's one of the best-selling artists of all time. And she was second best played, or second most played female when it comes to a solo artist in the UK in the 2000s decade. The one in front of her was Madonna. In the 2000s. You bring up the R&B aspect. 
I really, it's surprising how uh, flexible she is with her ability to sing multiple uh, genres. Genres, mm-hmm. yeah, across multiple genres. Her her ability to do R and B to this to more rocky then, sounding stuff. Uh, her latest, I mean, when when she's uh, doing her rope climbing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she does all kinds of cool, like, circus kind of stuff. Exactly. In 2009, I mean, if you think about that time, you're probably thinking maybe about, like, Taylor Swift and, uh, you know, Katy Perry was on the scene at that time. But no, Billboard named Pink the top uh, pop artist of the decade of the 2000s. And VH1 ranked her number 10 on the list of the 100 greatest women in music. Billboard awarded her the Woman of the Year Award in 2013. Eight studio albums, 22 top 40 hits. This is her third of four number ones. And it's from her album, Greatest Hits So Far. So it wasn't from a technically studio album, but it was on a Greatest Hits album is where this was first released. And Peek explained that this song is a celebration of those who feel left out of the popular crowd. It's an anthem for the underdogs, is another way to put it. Mm -hmm. And... um, Looked up a little bit of history of what it means to raise a glass. So raising one's glass towards someone is something is something and then drinking is a low key form of a toast. Kind of confusing on the uh, mm-hmm. phrasing there. Let me try that again. Raising one's glass towards someone then drinking is a low key form of a toast. A traditional ritual in which a drink is taken as an expression of honor or goodwill. Proposing a toast dates back to religious rituals practiced by the ancient Greeks, where ceremonial meals, they poured out drinks for both their gods and the dead. A vessel of wine would be then lifted in the direction of a member of the dinner party, and the words, it is to you, would be said. The container was then handed to whoever had been toasted to drink from. That makes sense, everybody? Yes. Now, the other interesting part about this song is the writer of the song. Shout to Max Martin. One of the greatest songwriters in pop ever. He just, he still has got number one hits to this day. Well, so up to this point, like in this 2010 moment, when Pink got this number one, that was already his ninth number one. Prior to this, here's what he went number one with as a songwriter. Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. It's gonna be, it's gonna be May by NSYNC. I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. Pink's So What in 2008. My Life Would Suck Without You by Kelly Clarkson. Three by Britney Spears. California Girls by Katy Perry featuring Snoop Dogg. And Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. So, according to those, uh, you know, the young millennials... And the and the Gen Zs, he has written some bangers. He's worked with The Weeknd and Ariana Grande more recently too. Now I remember Teenage Dream being, or no, California Girls was a very popular song in my house in college because of the music video and you know how hot mm-hmm. Katy Perry looked. We used to have when I would have sleepovers at my house, everyone would come over and we'd be like, we gotta watch the new Katy Perry video, and we'd watch it and be like, oh my gosh, this is too racy. Too Ooh. racy. Hell, it's nothing. And compared to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want the most racy music videos when it comes to a decade, 
Look at your most recent decade, and you'll find him. Oh, I don't know. I was going to go 80s metal myself. Well, 80s metal? Well, no, well, here's the difference, because today you have a lot more music videos with actual nudity. Like, Valid. yes, there was a lot of a lot of women not wearing a whole lot in, in some of those 80s music videos, especially with the hair metal, but they were still wearing something. Because at this point, you're not aiming for MTV, you're aiming for YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is very, uh, not very, I don't know if they still have their guidelines of where they would not allow nudity, but now you can find a ton of music videos that have nudity in it. I remember Blurred Lines was one of the first ones. And yeah. I was like, whoa. Well, there's two versions of that music video. Mm -hmm. Close and no close. You choose which one you want to watch. All right, guys, I got to get out of here. I'm heading up to Manhattan High School to talk to head coach Joe Schartz, the Manhattan Indians 10-0, and and hosting Wichita Northwest Friday, 7 o'clock, pregame 6.30. So when we come back, Troy and uh, Trey will be taking over for some Ask Us Anything after the break. Go Cats. All right. 1350 KMAN. Nice. Let's give it the Dave G approach. <laughs> right? <laughs> My first question today is, what was a surprisingly really good movie to you? Like in the theater or otherwise? Oh, boy. Like one that you're like, ah, this might suck. And then you go to it and you're like, oh, that was actually like pretty good. Old school. Old school? Will Ferrell? Nice. I, I, I just wasn't sold on essentially... Oh, hey, what do you know? Another Animal House just right. twisted. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it's hard to beat the king. Right. <laughs> he, Will Ferrell never misses, I think, is something that we need to realize. It's Even a, though that yeah. one Netflix movie he did wasn't that good. I can't remember what it was called, but it, it was him with the long, golden, straight hair. Yes. I don't remember what that was, but <laughs> was it taken very well? No, no. <laughs> But, you know, when, when he's at doing it as out-and-out out comedy, it's tremendous. Right. Uh, what would you go back to school for if you could? What's something that interests you? have actually considered for essentially web design, social media, that type right. of... And trust me, it's thought about hard. Really? Whether or not I want to do that. But really? yeah, it, it's been in the considerations. I'm going to start taking a social media class next semester that I'm actually looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Like more so like the, you know, the how in the business world it can really help in radio and stuff. Promote this, everything. Sure. Absolutely. But though at this point, it might be smart to stay away from Twitter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is the worst meal you ever made or ate yourself? Um, hmm, worst I've ever made or eaten. Usually I push those aside out of my brain very right. quickly, so <laughs> I don't, don't even think about those. There was not one time where it was like so catastrophic in terms of, I don't know. I mean, going to Eskimo Joe's, having a burger after a game at Oklahoma State a number of years ago, and then having an upset stomach later, but that was more exacerbated by me drinking Jack straight out of the bottle oh. than it was actually the burger itself. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> 
truth comes out. All I right. want to go to Eskimo Joe's. I've never been. Every time I go to KC, I think about it, and then I never go. Is it literally like the best? No, no, like no. You're, you're thinking Oklahoma Joe's. Oklahoma Joe's. That that's Eskimo Joe's is uh, is Stillwater, Oklahoma State. Oh, okay. Because I always see the shirts though, the Eskimo yes. Joe shirts. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's yep. It's that's in it. Oklahoma. Okay. Yes. I never knew that. Yes. Oklahoma City. Nice. No, not, not Oklahoma City, but Stillwater. But yeah, Oklahoma Joe's. I don't think I've heard of that. Oklahoma one, Joe's is uh, is now known KC Joe's barbecue. Okay. Which, by the way, sounds pretty good right now, but that's another matter. <laughs> I need to get some food after this. I'm starving. There you go. What do we, uh, let's see, coming up tomorrow, let's see, it'll be a Thursday on the docket. That means that we'll probably throw in a little, do they know it, to cap off what's the crazy week. Friday will be a best of. We've got great high school football on tap for you on Friday night, both here on K-Man and on B-1047. Have a great night, everyone.